0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast feed of Liberty Church Mainline, where we seek to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus for Philadelphia's historic mainline and surrounding communities. Every week, we look again to the story of the Bible, the lavish grace of God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website, libertymainline.org. I have just a couple of <clears throat> excuse me, quick announcements before Matt comes up. Just want to remind those of you with children or those of you who um, would still like to participate in fun and games that we are having an informal Saturday, Saturday gathering this coming Saturday, July 8th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Ashbridge Park, which is in kind of the Rosemont Bryn Mawr area. And then we are still collecting shoe boxes for a project for our children. You've got a few more weeks to do that, so I encourage you to go out and buy lots of footwear and then bring the boxes to help, you know, do it for charity, okay? Thank you, Johnna, good morning. Liberty Church Mainline, it's good to see you as we gather for worship. Uh, if we have not had a chance to be introduced, my name is Matt, I'm the pastor here, I wanna extend a welcome to you. Uh, This summer, we are doing uh, a study through the parables of Jesus, spending time with Jesus this summer. So I invite you to follow along as I read this portion of God's word. May he give us understanding of it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in a search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray for understanding of this word. Our Lord and God, as we come now and hear from you, I ask that as we reflect on this passage, that you would use it to speak to the situation of each of us this morning, For those who are hurting, we pray for comfort. For those who are um, perhaps overly satisfied with the present moment, would you challenge us, spur us, push us forward? And we pray, Father, that you would uh, draw us closer to yourself and give us a deeper sense of your heart for us. We ask that you do this in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. In one of Shakespeare's best-known lines, King Richard III cries out, a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. And in situations far less dire, we have often heard ourselves or others say, I would give anything for, right? That may be, I would give anything perhaps to see the look on their face perhaps we are wishing well or ill for a particular person. Or perhaps I would give anything for, on a hot day like today, I would give anything for a nice iced chai latte. Or perhaps I would give anything for those new Apple Vision Pro goggles, whatever it is that they're supposed to be for, right? On the flip side, some of us may have felt uh, that, scent, that uh, feeling that feeling in much more serious ways. So some of us might feel regularly, I would give anything for the esteem of my colleagues or the approval of my parents or for someone who loves me, my health to improve, my children to thrive. What would we, what would you give anything or everything for? As John highlighted earlier in the service so eloquently, our hearts invest in certain things and ascribe value to them. In our passage this morning, Jesus tells two parables about people who found treasures and didn't rest until they had acquired them, and it's basically the two parables together give us a one-point sermon that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, in the person of Jesus is worth everything. So we're going to look at this parable, uh, these two parables in a little more depth, and then we're going to explore what Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom and himself and us in these little stories. So first, the parable of hidden treasure. For some of us, we might read this and there's kind of a certain nostalgia, right? Childhood dreams of secret maps and buried treasure or perhaps the early morning detector, uh, the uh, metal detector sweep on the Jersey Shore in case people left behind some valuables. While discoveries like this are now rare, they would have been actually very common at the time that Jesus told this story. There weren't banks or safety deposit boxes, so if you had accumulated wealth or possessions, you would hide them, usually in your house, but it was all too common to have invaders or looters come through, and in that case, you might bury your treasures in a field to keep them safe. And then, if you survived the attack, you could recover your possessions again afterwards. But if the homeowner or the landowner didn't survive or never returned, that property could then change hands numerous times without later owners having any idea... Of the treasure that's hidden in that property. So somehow the man in verse 44 stumbles upon one of these buried treasures. And since he's working in somebody else's field, we can assume that he is either poor or working class. So it would have taken everything he had to buy this field, even though the owner is oblivious to the treasure that's buried in it. And if you're thinking that that sounds a little bit like a swindle, uh, ancient Jewish law of the time was finders keepers uh, in situations like this. So he joyfully sells everything to buy the field, knowing the sacrifice is nothing compared with the value of what he has there before him. In the second parable, a pearl merchant is searching for fine pearls. Pearls are still quite valuable today, but in the market uh, of the ancient world, they would have been closer to today's diamonds. He's looking for quality pearls that are good value so that he can resell them at a profit. He's a businessman and a connoisseur. He knows a good pearl when he sees one. But here, he discovers one pearl of such amazing value and beauty that he gives everything for it. Jesus' parables can kind of uh, uh, go from the everyday experience into the fantastical, and we see that here. The merchant does the unimaginable. To have this one pearl, he sells everything he has, liquidates his inventory, sells his business, all to acquire this one beautiful, perfect pearl. And he does it without hesitation because it is so supremely valuable. So the big idea of these two parables together is that both people discover something of amazing worth, and then joyfully give everything in order to acquire this newfound treasure. And the notice the note there is on the joy that they had. They gave up and sacrificed everything because they saw something much greater for them before them. And Jesus says, "This is what the as the gospel of the kingdom, supreme." worth and value that is worth sacrificing anything and everything that gets in the way of knowing him and expand into several subpoints and we'll look at some of these uh, like all of his parables he intentionally tells these stories because we're supposed to dwell on them think about them walk away from them a week or a month but for this morning we're just going to look at the value of the kingdom is hidden to many people discover the kingdom in diverse ways And then discovering the kingdom leads to radical change and sacrifice. So first, the value of the kingdom is hidden to many. This is most obvious in the first parable. Nobody realizes that the treasure is hidden in this field. The owner doesn't know it. The local residents, some who may have lived there for quite some time, don't know it. They all knew the field that the individual was buying. They'd walked by it, over, it, around it, time and time again. They knew or thought they knew there wasn't anything particularly special about it. It was just a field. And so when this one person invests everything he has to buy it, they probably thought, well, there's like Weird Joe doing his thing again in town, right? In one of my favorite uh, movies, there's this scene where a museum guide is showing a bunch of distracted elementary students around the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And she's explaining to them the historic importance of Monet's San Giorgio Maggiore at dusk, because it's the first Impressionist painting. And of course, they are totally zoned out. None of the kids are paying attention. Some of you may have experiences like this when you're explaining really important and interesting things. But uh, in exasperation, she says, the tour guide, oh, okay, how about this? It's worth 100 million bucks, and then all of the kids of a sudden are paying attention to the painting on the wall, right? whoa, but if they hadn't been told, they wouldn't know or appreciate the value and significance of the painting that was right before them. Jesus actually tells these parables at a time when he's experiencing more and more hostility, both from official uh, religious leaders, but he's also experiencing more and more indifference and impatience from the crowds of people around him who want him to do something particular. The value of the kingdom, even when Jesus was present, was hidden to many of those around him. And take note that it was often people who were very serious, very devout, very religious people who most opposed, challenged, and questioned Jesus. They were so caught up in the value of their goodness that they miss the far greater value of the goodness of Jesus. The gospel is actually shatteringly simple. Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins so that if you believe in him, God accepts you now by grace based on what Jesus does for you, not what you do for God. It's so simple that many of us walk by it day after day after day, and we've kind of become desensitized to its value. We shrug our shoulders. I've heard that before. Maybe I grew up and I went to a camp as a kid, or that's how I became a Christian, and now I kind of feel like I need something more, right? What's the next step? So we look for the next bestseller to tell us how to find our purpose or how to pray prayers God will always answer or how to overcome the obstacles in our life or dabble in a new philosophy or a new spiritual experience to, or how we could actually make a really big impact on the world because the value of the kingdom remains often hidden to those sometimes who are closest to it. But the real solution to all those desires is not some new checklist of steps to do. It's realizing that all those desires are satisfied and transformed in the light of the good news of the kingdom. That the Son of God came to die for our sins so that if we believe in him, God accepts us, welcomes us, enjoys us based on what Jesus does for us, not on what we do for God. So second, there are many different ways to discover the kingdom. It's striking that Jesus basically tells two parables, the same main point, but the main characters in each parable are opposites in certain ways, okay? One of them is poor or working class, and the other is rich. One is uh, somebody who stumbles upon his discovery accidentally, the other is actually searching diligently, There's no one way to discover the supreme value of God's kingdom. For some, it's totally an accident according to their perspective. Some of us, perhaps this is our story, where we weren't particularly interested in God, didn't have a lot of questions about him, or perhaps we're not particularly interested in him, and then, bam, you have an experience, you have a conversation with a friend, You experience at a church, And then we're, in a totally unexpected way, our life has turned upside down. In fact, I was listening to an interview a couple weeks ago uh, of an academic who was studying the phenomenon of evangelical Christianity in the United States. And so as part of her research, she attended a local church or a few different local churches. And at one of them, she actually met Jesus and then became a member and became a follower of Jesus. She wasn't looking for it but Jesus found her. Others find the kingdom only after years and years of searching. So uh, some of you know that uh, Villanova down the street is um, founded by and led by the Augustinian order uh, of the Catholic Church. And Augustine was one of the greatest Christian theologians in the history of the church. And he, in his early life, sought intensely for the truth in all of the different philosophical and religious options of the day. But irony of ironies... He ultimately found intellectual and spiritual satisfaction only when he returned haltingly to the Christian faith that he had learned from his mother as a child. There are many different ways to discover or to rediscover the kingdom of God. And then third, the discovery of the kingdom leads to radical change. Once these men discover these treasures, they are willing to part with everything to acquire them. At one level, these, par- this, uh, these two parables may be a little bit more relatable to us than some of the other parables that you read about from Jesus because a lot of them are grounded in agriculture, which we are a little bit further from. But all of us still today buy and sell. The forces of the marketplace are all pervasive. But as commercial and as transactional as these parables are, they actually overturn and challenge our fat infatuation with scheming and plotting and shopping and acquiring. These two men discover something so valuable that they are—they chase that with no reservations. They trade in everything for one thing. Realize what that would entail, right? That would, uh, for the treasure finder discoverer is all of his savings from the years the merchant liquidates his business these would be personal mementos things of sentimental value their vintage LP collection all of it right and for many of us that seems totally foreign and not a little bit scary we resonate much more closely with the story that comes a little bit later in the gospel of Matthew of a rich young man who meets Jesus. Someone who is serious as pursuing religious uh, practice and uh, ideas and so he seeks Jesus out and then asks him, what's the one thing I'm missing? And then Jesus tells him that the only thing he lacks to experience the kingdom of heaven is to give away everything to the poor and then come follow Jesus. And then he goes away sad, leaving Jesus because he can't. Now, Important, uh, important thing to understand about this story and that story. Jesus isn't putting a price tag on the kingdom. He's exposing the obstacles in our hearts. Really following Jesus means this, giving priority to him over everything else. Jesus isn't an accessory He is the king of the kingdoms. He's not a nice aspect of a well-rounded life. He expects and deserves our highest allegiance and our ultimate loyalty. And when we balk at a sacrifice for him, it exposes that our hearts are invested somewhere else. So for that rich young ruler, it was a test. What do you prioritize? And it exposed that there was something that he loved even more than his supposed love for God, and it's not we know it's not a price tag because actually there's another conversation that uh, and actually there's the, um, it, there's no point at which you can say, "Oh, now I know God is pleased with me," right." There was a series of uh, saints in the medieval church who heard that story, sold everything they had, but then often led very anxious lives continuing to try to do things to please God because the focus shifted to what they did for God instead of what God had done for them. And you even see this in that very story because a little bit afterwards, the disciples panic. They say, we've given up everything for you, and yet they still have anxiety. Are we going to be part of your kingdom to come? And Jesus says, if you follow me, you will receive all you need in this life and a glorious future to come a new heavens and a new earth. But coming back to these parables, we have these two individuals, and long before they sold everything, the reason that they were able to do that is because they had already reinvested their hearts. They had transferred their emotional wealth before they transferred their material wealth. And that's why it was not a great sacrifice that made them weep. It was a joy that motivated them. The kingdom is of such exceeding wealth that when it calls us to make a sacrifice for others, for God, then we can do it with joy. But as we conclude, we have to ask the question of this story, what if I'm not there? What if I identify more with that rich young man? What if I identify with the self-satisfaction of the Pharisees or with the anxiety of the disciples? Remember that these people did not make this thing a treasure. They risked everything in response to something they found. The good news of the kingdom is not that you can reorder your heart if you try enough. It's that a reordered, reinvested heart is the natural response to seeing the kingdom in the person of Jesus. And we often get this story, these stories, these parables exactly uh, backwards. In fact, why do we always assume that the parable is about us, that we're the main character in the story Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the early 20th century theologian who eventually died because of his opposition to the uh, Nazi regime in his home country of Germany, earlier in his life wrote this. Costly grace is the hidden treasure in the field for the sake of which people go and sell with joy everything they have. It is the costly pearl for whose price the merchant sells all that he has. Above all, grace is costly because it was costly to God, because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought with a price, and because nothing can be cheap to us which is costly to God. Above all, it is grace because the life of God's son was not too costly for God to give in order to make us live. God did indeed give him up for us. The good news of the kingdom is that a father buried his treasured son so that he might adopt a multitude of sons and daughters from every tribe and nation. The gospel of the kingdom is that the crown prince of the universe divested himself of all of his heavenly riches in order to die for his people. Jesus, the very person who spoke this parable, was on a kingdom mission, a mission of sacrificing all and doing it for joy because he was gathering people into the pleasure and glory and goodness of his father. And although we'd like to think it's because there's some beautiful little pearl inside me, that's not not because we're a treasure. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, knowing how often we are unloving or unlovely. And yet still, even then, he pursued us, For his father. The good news of the kingdom is that we are now a people of his own possession, not because of something intrinsic in us, but because the Father has set his infections on you in Jesus. He invests you with worth. He is transforming you inside and out with the joy of the kingdom, covering over your sin and your evil and your death and your foolishness in the righteousness and goodness and life and wisdom and joy of Jesus. Before we give anything for the kingdom, before we give anything for Jesus, Jesus gave everything for us. This is the good news of the kingdom in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank and praise you that you are about your work in the world. Your kingdom is present in ways that we see, sometimes often in ways that we do not. We pray, Father, that you would open our eyes to see the value and worth of Jesus and your purposes in the world. And we thank you that we can experience your pleasure and approval now in and through him. We can be motivated, strengthened, encouraged, filled with joy because of the love that you show for us. Father, we thank you that you pursue us and you set your value and you set your heart on us. And may that captivate our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope that either through or in spite of the human messenger, you heard the gracious invitation of God to the abundant life of love and service found in the transforming person and work of Jesus. If you've been encouraged by this podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, or subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, check us out at libertymainline.org.